Hey, Little Things listeners, I'm so excited to announce that Time of Grace is hosting its first ever women's event at the Ingleside Hotel in Pewaukee, Wisconsin, this April 26th and 27th. Some of my favorite people will be there, and I'm guessing if you were along for the journey last summer when we did the faith journeys, they're going to be some of your favorite people too. I'm talking about Dr. Rhoda Woolley and Dr. Joan Prince, Lori Lorig, and all the Time of Grace female bloggers. Besides that, Pastor Jeremy Maddock will also be doing a live in-person evening encouragements. We can't wait to meet you and connect you to other Christian women. The event is called Unbreakable, Finding Strength to Face the Storms, and we hope to see you there. Find all the information in the episode notes. It will take you to the landing page so that you can register. See you in April. We are continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer with the first petition, which is, Holy Be Your Name. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. Now, first of all, before we get too far into this, what is a petition? Well, quite simply, it's a request. So last time we talked about the address, who are we talking to? And this time we're covering the first request of the Lord's Prayer, the the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Holy be your name. So first and foremost, what is God's name? Now, if you remember from last time, I'm using Luther's large and small catechism. So I'm not coming up with this stuff on my own. I'm getting it from... Luther's Large and Small Catechism. So if you have those available, definitely great resources. And you can find all of this information just by reading that. So I'm just sort of giving you a recap and going through what Luther explains is meant by this petition. So what is God's name? God's name is everything, all of his titles and everything he reveals to us about himself in his word. So if he calls himself almighty, all-powerful, father, we talked about that last time, um, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting, the Alpha and Omega, all the names, the titles that he gives us in his word, savior, all of those things add to his name, those are names, but also everything he reveals to us about himself. Last time we talked about that he was our provider and our protector, and he gives us an inheritance because we are his children. But there are so many other things that he teaches us about himself in his word, that he's just, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's gracious, that he you know, gives to evil, the evil and the good. So everything that we know about God from his word, that is all encompassed in his name. So Luther says, to sum this petition up, we could just pray, Heavenly Father, help us in every way to keep your name holy. Now, God's name is holy. God has done absolutely nothing to muddy his name. Unfortunately, we don't have such a great track record. So how do we muddy God's name instead of holding it 
in the honor, the reverence, the uh, up to the high esteem that it should be. Well, we honor God's name when we uh, act as loving children. So when we act as godly, loving people on earth, when we help our neighbors, when we're kind to people, when we go to our job and do our jobs well, when we uh, are honest instead of, you know, charging people exuberant prices for things, we honor God's name. But the same is true for how we dishonor God's name. So if we use God's name or if, if we as Christians in the world act in such a way that people don't want to be Christians because we steal and we're drunk and causing problems or we're having affairs or we're just cheaters and liars then we are dishonoring God's name. So when we act in ways that God forbids or that God would not have us act, then we're dishonoring God's name in the world. I like to think of it as, um, you know, sometimes we forget that we are Christians. And so whatever we do, we're representatives of God. And when our kids turned 18, we told them, you know, now you are legally responsible for upholding our good name. If you, you know, get in an accident because you're driving drunk and it's all over the papers, you've muddied our names. If you don't pay your bills and you know, the creditors, it's put in the paper that you declare bankruptcy or that you didn't pay your taxes or whatever. You muddy the Swenson name. And so the same is true with God's name. Okay, God's name is misused when we say things or when we teach things that are not in the Bible. So as representatives of Christ, is we're, if we're saying things that God never said. So for instance, if we're saying, oh, if you want to get to heaven, you have to do A, B, C, D, E. It's, it's not enough to just believe in God. Believing in God is the first thing, but then you also need to do good works and you need to you know, be baptized and you need to attend Bible study and you need to make sure you're praying every day and you need to, or you won't be saved. I like to remember the thief on the cross because Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He had not known Jesus before, or if he did, he certainly wasn't following him. He did not have any time to do any good works except for to rebuke the other thief on the cross and say, look, we're getting what we deserve. This man is not getting what he deserves. And so, you know, when we say that you have to do all these things, should you? Yes, it would be to everybody's advantage to live as Christians their whole life long. But, you know, when I worked in the nursing home, I used to simply start a conversation with, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? That person may or may not have been to church for 40 or 50 years. Maybe they weren't baptized. Maybe they didn't know much about Jesus, and they only would learn a very, very brief 
little bit. Can they be saved? Absolutely. Um, we're told in James 3, chapter 1, not many of you should become teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. If we're a teacher, if we are teaching God's word, and we start saying things that are not in God's word, we are dishonoring God's name, and we are told we are going to be judged for that. So we need to be very careful that we're teaching what's in God's word, not less than what's in God's word, but not more than what's in God's word. That was the sin of the Pharisees. The Pharisees took God's law, and they added to it exponentially, many times over. So they took God's law and they said, well, that was a good start. But what God really meant by his law is all these other things included. And so by doing so, they put these heavy, heavy burdens on the people. And Jesus came and he said, look, that was never God's intention. He didn't mean for you to take the law and, and make it like that. So in Unfortunately, we still see today both sides of it. We still see the adding to that if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to do this, 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 and this. But we also see the subtracting from, oh, it's okay. You can live however you want. You can believe in Allah and God. It's okay. It's okay. We all get to heaven. That's also a sin. It's a sin to subtract from the word of God. We're told very clearly in scripture, Jesus is the way to get to heaven. We're told, you know, Jesus said, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That does not say believe whatever you want to. We all get there anyway. It does not say in scripture, you know, live in your sin blatantly and it's okay. God's grace is enough. We're to deny ourselves and follow God. Now, I'm not saying that if you're, you know, struggling in your sin, then you're excluded from those who are saved. That's not true. We all struggle with our sin all the days of our lives. The Apostle Paul said, the good that I would, that I do not do. The evil that I would not, that I do. But there's a difference uh, between struggling in your sin and trying with God's help to overcome it and blatantly say, this is who I am and God loves me and accepts me as I am and he accepts my sin too. That's not in scripture. So we got to be careful that we're not adding and that we're not taking away. That's how we dishonor God's name in our communities and in our neighborhoods and in our families when we preach and teach things that are not according to scripture. God holds us um, in very high regard scripture and it's something that we have to really take seriously too. Okay, how else do we misuse the name of God? Ooh, swearing. Swearing is saying, you know, I swear to God. It's taking an oath in God's name. And when we do that flippantly, um, how many times have you heard people say, I swear to God, 
so-and-so, if you do this, I'm going to do this. And you say such a flippant, crazy thing, and you're misusing God's name. God's name is not intended to be used that way. If you're taking an oath, um, as we do when we get married, you know, we, we promise before God to be faithful to our spouse. That's not misusing God's name. That's honoring God's name, especially as we keep our vows and we take those seriously. But when we flippantly are swearing an oath or making a promise very flippantly, that's misusing God's name. In fact, in the book of Matthew, Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews. And in the book of Matthew, he would say the kingdom of heaven instead of saying the kingdom of God. He only used the kingdom of God, I think, four times in his gospel, but he used the kingdom of heaven like 33 times because the Jews were so worried about misusing God's name that they used heaven in place of God's name because they didn't want to be guilty of misusing God's name at all. So swearing is a misuse of God's name. When we swear flippantly, when we say that figure of speech, um, cursing. And I've said this many times before on this podcast, I don't want to make a big, big deal about this. But to me, it is a big, big deal when people use Jesus name as a curse word, or even God's name as a curse word. And I'm not even talking about secular society anymore. I'm talking to us as Christians. How often aren't you sitting with someone and they just say, God, or, oh my God, or Jesus. And we have to make sure I did that once. I said, Oh my God, um, by accident. And one of my faithful, faithful, godly Christian friends, I was, I was with three of my closest friends and one of my godly Christian friends said, Lord, she's praying. Oh my God. And she started rattling off a prayer. And don't we need people like that in our lives? That expression is a misuse of God's name. It should not be used as an expression and certainly not as a curse word. Um, you know, when something terrible happens and you just, you know, use Jesus' name or God's name like that, uh, we need to be careful to hold it in high regard. So don't use God's name as a curse word. And I've mentioned this before, but even when I was working in a secular society and people would use Jesus name as a curse word. I became very bold and said, that's my Lord and my savior. If you were working with a Muslim person, would you use Allah's name like that? If you wouldn't, would you please respect me enough to not use Jesus name like that? And you know, by and large, they would. They said, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't realize. And sometimes they still said it a time or two. And then they were like, they caught themselves and they apologized. But no one had ever said to them before, that offends me. Could you please not do that? So feel free to speak up for Jesus' name and to defend it. Um, so cursing, swearing, not living holy lives. That's muddying God's name. And um, what we want to do instead is use God's name. He wants us to use his, God, his name. He wants to us to use it when we pray to him. Of course, he 
please, he's very pleased when we call him by his names in our prayers. He wants us to praise him, use it as a means of worship, and of course, to give thanks. You know, so often people do gratitude journals or they say, I'm so thankful for. Well, who are you thankful to? It's so much better to say, I thank God for such a beautiful day. Or God, thank you for blessing me with this full recovery. God is so good because when I look out in creation, I see and I marvel at God because of this unfading beauty. Use God's name in that way to give him honor and glorify him in the presence of other people. Uh, Luther says, in this petition, we are praying God stops false teaching. So when we pray, holy be your name, we're actually praying, so God, let it remain holy. Stop the teachers who are preaching in your name what you did not intend for them to say. We're also praying against those who persecute Christians who are saying the truth. So we're saying, God, let your holy name be proclaimed. Let it be kept holy. Those who are using your name to preach and to teach, let that get out into the world and land on fertile ground in the hearts of people who are eagerly waiting to hear that word and accept it and live by it. And we're praying that we are grateful and God and hold God's word in reverence. And you know, one of the best ways that we can hold God's word in reverence is to use it. If something is special to you and um, it means a lot to you, you should want to be around it and be near it. Don't lock it up in a case and never use it. The best way that you can use God's name And you can make sure that you're teaching according to his will. And what's in his word is to be in the word. So you know the word. So that you can use the word properly. Because guaranteed, you come across, if you're on Instagram, Facebook, any social media site, you are coming across many people who are using God's word. And some of them are using it well. And some of them are not. And how are you going to know the difference if you are not studying God's word so you know? If you aren't sitting and listening to the teachers who are teaching God's word in its truth and purity. That's how you honor God. Use his word. Be in his word. Love his word. Be eager to tell people about God's word. Be eager to live as Christ lived. And how are you going to know how Christ lived if you're not reading about his life in the Gospels? Spend time with Jesus, know him, and then you can talk about him to other people. It pleases God to exalt him about all else and to teach his word in its truth and purity. End of story. Luther's advice to us. That's a good word on this petition to keep God's word holy. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.